it's not the inclusion. People who deserve to be in the room, we need to beat down those doors and make sure that there's no extraneous reason that somebody can't get into the room that they deserve to be in via merit. Equity? Are you kidding me? Equity is just this horrible thing. I mean, it's, it's a Trojan horse because it sounds like equality. It sounds like fairness. The key point is equity needs to die. All the professors who are any good, you know, call me up and tell me, I can't stand it. Should I retire? Should I leave? Welcome, everyone, to part two of this two-part episode of Into the Impossible, featuring Eric Weinstein and Brian Keating in a frank discussion diving deep into philosophical and existential questions in science, faith, belief, and global conflict. In part two, the dynamic duo address anti-Semitism, redesigning academia, threats against American science and technology leadership, and much more. These are controversial topics addressed with an intellectual rigor you are unlikely to hear anywhere else. Whatever your worldview, if you appreciate having your assumptions challenged, civil dialogue and honest debate, please pay it forward with a five-star rating and keep in touch with Professor Keating by joining his email list at briankeating.com list. And if you have a .edu domain, we'll send you a bit of space dust in the form of an authentic meteorite fragment. Please let us know what you think of some of the many topics covered in this episode and give us your suggestions in the form of a review like this one from Tristan Zara. Great podcast, great guests. Cutting-edge science and passionate, articulate explainers abound in this always stimulating journey through many different sciences and areas of technological and philosophical interest. Brian is sharp and always fair. And now, from our studio at the University of California, San Diego, brace yourself for part two of this provocative two-part episode of Into the Impossible with Brian Keating and Eric Weinstein. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Open the pod bay doors, please, Hal. You don't realize the way power and science interact in these institutions. Hasn't it gotten worse? I mean, I'm just going to quote some statistics that I like. Stanford, speaking of Stanford, only institution I was ever fired from. Not that I'm bitter about that. Uh, Stanford recently enrolled 16,937 undergraduate and graduate students and concurrently list 15,750 administrative staff, nearly one-to-one. -one. In the past, such, co uh, such costly Praetorian bloat, I, I forget where I got this, maybe Heather McDonald, I have to look up the source for this, would have sparked a faculty rebellion, to Heather McDonald. but not now. Uh, Six-figure salary, diversity, equity, inclusion, commissary, that's why I think it's Heather, because she wrote this wonderful yep. book, The Diversity Delusion, which has a whole page dedicated to UCSD, by the way. Um, <clears throat> Consequently, uh, problematic standardized tests are damned as biased and antithetical to diversity. Yeah, we have to destroy this structure. What replaces it? So you, you overthrow no, no, uh, no, no, Putin, no, no. and then no, no, who no. do you put in there? Why make something that works worse? Why make it that you're stipulating its work? It's not working, though. You're it, saying academia. Sorry, not the research university? Yeah. Or, I mean, there's just a university. Like, we, we don't have a university, and then there's university part two, where you really... No, no, no. We have, a, we have something called the AAU, the Association of American Universities. And we had something that used to be called what, NASLUG, but I forget what it's been renamed to, which is the National Association of Land-Grant Colleges, okay? And these were the prestige 
research powerhouses as distinguished from the also-rans. The degradation in this class of university is so profound due to deciding that we are going to empower administration over the professorate to run these things. Every university that you want to be associated with, the prestige comes from the professors having both a culture and being in charge. I was speaking to a colleague of ours who will remain nameless. Um, and this person said to me, not knowing that I had studied this issue, um, with the National Bureau for Economic Research and the Harvard Economics Department and the Sloan Labor and Immigration Programs, Eric, uh, you have to understand what a provost is. The provost is my boss. And I said, stop right there. I said, the provost is not your boss. You don't have a boss. You are your boss. If a provost is your boss, you have to not be at that university. You don't have a boss. The whole thing goes out the window. And then I started hearing about a secondary dean who is under the president, not under the control of the provost, who's sort of the academic administrator. And this is a dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, I love diversity, as you know. You can tell from my personal life. And I, you know, friends, family, it's it's pretty you much the United Nations. That's well, what no, I'm just mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. I, I I love languages. I love food. I love travel. So that's mm -hmm. that's an easy one. Um, it's not the inclusion. People who deserve to be in the room, we need to beat down those doors and make sure that there's no extraneous reason that somebody can't get into the room that they deserve to be in via merit. Equity? Are you kidding me? Equity is just this horrible thing. I mean, it's it's a Trojan horse because it sounds like equality. It sounds like fairness. It sounds like... Be against it. Right. Mm -hmm. And the key point is equity needs to die. I'm and looking for my diversity, equity, inclusion award, which is around here somewhere. Congratulations. Yes. Um, but all the professors who are any good, you know, call me up and tell me, I can't stand it. Should I retire? Should I leave? Should I stop my, oh, my is, research? It is a crisis. I mean, there is a crisis in the academic, you know, kind of um, uh, just the milieu that we do have this. First of all, yes, that the most powerful administrators used to be provost deans, academic affairs. Now it is, has moved to a diversity, equity, Anybody focused on Title equity? Nine. No, mm -hmm. we should just ask a question. Do you believe in equity inside of an academic con con context? It's and, considered the third leg of the three-legged stool by the Brian, president. Please don't do the devil's advocate. This is an incredibly no, no, dangerous how marks, pervasive mark. it is. Look, this gives communism a bad name. What is the motto of communism? If you had to sum up communism in one aphorism. From each according to his knee means to each according to his knee. From each according to his abilities, right? Yeah. To each according to his or her needs, needs. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. This is not even communism. This is saying the more able person may need to be struck down so that the less able person can perform so that we achieve this outcome. And I'm sorry, you know, Marxism is bad enough. Uh, and I'm not talking about a social net, a social safety net. I'm not talking no, we about it here at this university. I'm not, I'm not talking about even socialism. I'm talking mm -hmm. about this is, you know, Dr. Seuss, Theodore Geisel, uh, who has Our a library, library named after him, mm -hmm. wrote an obscure book called On Beyond Zebra, which I believe is now banned. 
I'm yeah. not sure. If you have a copy, it's worth going I do, I know, I know. <laughs> um, this is on beyond communism. So it's like, this is communism for people who didn't think the amount of suffering under communism was sufficient. You know, true equity has never been tried even vaguely. The Soviet Union would have been freaked out to try equity. Um, you know, the old saying as to why Stalin uh, maintained freedom for his theoretical physicists was, well, he was crazy, but he wasn't stupid. stupid. Right. This is just dumb. And we need to get rid of the E in D-I-E. When, and and certainly I think there's, uh, there's an underground, you know, spoken about in hushed whispers uh, because of the fact that we recognize that in the past it was more than necessary and it may have overcorrected at this very university you and i have talked about this before we had both jonas salk uh, the salk institute it's forbidden to own land here my house title it says i can't sell it to a jew uh hispanic or uh, a mexican or a native american um so that's kind of funny that a jew owns this house uh and Wait, uh, you're jewish <laughs> too jewish um and uh, Maria Geppert Mayer could could only come here and have our physics department named after her uh, because, uh, you know, she was kicked out of uh, Chicago. She couldn't get a permanent position in Argonne. Um, so certainly it was necessary. And I think what was necessary? I equity was never necessary. Not equity, but but to have to have uh, I, I would just say affirmative action at that point to to let in people who were meritocratic. They were they deserve to be here. I don't think you could argue Jonas Salk and Maria no, Geppert Mayer didn't we, agree, uh, earn a position. Okay, in I, don't know, I don't know what conversation we're having. I just said that we need inclusion of people yeah. who have the merit to be right, in. So we have to be vigilant, and we have to realize that those people are going to come in. Every flavor, right. you know, all 31 flavors, according to Baskin Robbins. Fine. The question, Equity? Yeah. No. no never, equity never has over been... Over my dead body. Mm -hmm. So... And it... by the way, exclusion needs to be practiced. People who believe in equity need to be excluded from a meritocratic uh, context. Because you can't afford, you know, we, I think we saw this in Algeria where you have an election and the electorate decides to get rid of democracy. <laughs> well, yeah, Hitler was voted democratically. In I know. So you have to have safeguards that say, um, look, we have a long-term commitment and the threshold for undoing merit has to be extraordinary. And it's nowhere close to being met. In fact, you know, my slogan is... Uh, uh, and bigotry in online anonymous chess. Well, now they've done that with anonymous auditions for for uh, most classical orchestras. Um, I want to pivot to a less uh, a less controversial. Wait, subject. wait, that's not a controversial subject. I, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm joking because I'm going to go. No, somewhere no, no, more but, I'm trying to, but it's not controversial. I want to say to you that I don't believe that this is a controversy. I believe what happened is that we lost control of a layer that became possessed of cult-like beliefs. And so when you're talking about like the Heaven's Gate cult, I'm sure that I believe many things that the Heaven's Gate people would find controversial, but they're not here right now, right? Right. Because they're, this is a self-extinguishing behavior. We're not gonna do a self-extinguishing behavior. We, are got, we have got to figure out how to get rid of all of this infrastructure that we coked ourselves up on over the last five years. But maybe it's not possible within the current structure. Are you familiar with something called the Ikea effect? The Ikea you know, effect? The Ikea effect. Maybe Are you not. saying that the uh, 
people feel differently as to whether they've built something and invest, have put sweat equity into something as to whether it's handed to them? They ascribe more value to oh. something that they've created, right? So this is something they've created, right? So that you are familiar with it. Uh, so they've created this structure and these strictures, and it's not, I want to pivot away from this, but to this, and I want to say the following. This, the university system is, has now in, ingested this, these, these, you know, divisions of diversity, equity, inclusion, vice chancellor. There's an apparatus. There's a structure. It's detailed. We're not the first person people to talk about it. We already referred to Heather McDonald. You can go there to see it. What about if the secret and all these things are coming downstream from academia? In other words, the political class, the 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 infighting, the lack of, of fear over to Ukraine. Get rid of the BA. Right. Okay. So I want to pivot to this is that brings up my next topic. Maybe we need a different model for the academia for academia. Maybe we need maybe the the nonprofit or the uh, or, or the you know kind of scholastic for its own sake approach is no longer relevant in the twenty first century. No, After all, it's a thousand on. years old. No, I don't want to do this. So what what you don't think that there's an opportunity to replace for five the current years, academia? We went crazy. Okay, so we have this like red guard, and <laughs> the red guard took over. I'm not going to pretend. Forget about that. Then just say, is academia in need of an overhaul? I mean, we've de detailed already. I don't think I don't think you're understanding where I am. We can't build a container that can hold money and funds that isn't susceptible to this. So right now, this is a container of water. Okay. Imagine that the sides of this container were coated with poison, and every time that you had water that you wanted to put in. You're thinking about the water, but you're not thinking about the container, which poisons everything. So what you are allowed to do and not allowed to do. I mean, I, I'm all, I understand if you want to get rid of legacy preferences, if you want to get rid of sports preferences, if you want to and tax the university endowments. I mean, there's a million, whatever, there's millions of things, but we cannot have a world where the only containers that you can build all inherit the same problem. Why did everything go crazy? If you've ever seen an ant mill, um, you have a bunch of ants that are leaving some sort of a scent trail mm -hmm. and they go around in a circle because all they're doing is following the trail and the trail has happened, you know, to has a, a, has a change, <laughs> has a change. Right. Yeah. Uh, perturbations. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. And so in, in that circumstance, you've created an ant mill where every container produces the same effect. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to come up with a, a you know, um, we Harvard, haven't tried communism. Harvard, we haven't tried Harvard, Harvard is supposed to right. open a campus in Riyadh because it doesn't have the same laws. This is ridiculous. This is our country. We're being idiotic. Uh, nobody is clamoring for, uh, you know, higher Jewish participation in the NBA. Um, what we need to do is we need to make sure that we are fair and we need to help people who... I, I, I no longer am going to say underrepresented groups because, in fact, that questions, well, who's overrepresented? And the answer is, I'm sorry, you know, if, 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 Jap Sophie's choice if Japanese Americans, mm -hmm. you know, are absolutely the best at algebraic topology or algebraic geometry, um, so be it. So be it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if the question is, well, what about certain groups that have been historically disadvantaged? It's like, how do we get them some advantages early in their career so that we're not messing around with merit at the ends of their career? So we just need we need we need to end equity, period, the end. Uh, given that, I think that, you know, in the motor homunculus of society and culture that the academia really is the, you know, the root 
cortex of, of, of almost everything in society, right? I mean, it look, was. look at Twitter. Well, look at Twitter. Okay. So there's, so Twitter, they're journalists and they were the apex predators on, on, <laughs> on Twitter. They had the most prestige. They had these little blue check marks, et cetera. Uh, they all went huh? to journalism okay. school. Hmm? Okay. No, 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 I'm saying they all this, want this to. This is jur- a story about Twitter that I don't accept. But so, but well, you, want to, you want to predicate an argument. Okay, yeah, so go so ahead. Professors uh, all went to acad- uh, all went to college, right? So look at how much in our culture and these ideas. And I mean, I have a blue writers. check mark, and I, it's not some big deal. You may or may not be uh, very. Well, you may, may or may, may not be uh, notable. important. Notable, yes, yeah. that's right. I, I think you're notable. Um, but the question I have is is really, um, you know, well, if if academia plays such a huge role and to say that it hasn't changed i mean you have this famous quote uh, you know if you were teleported back to the 1950s or from the 1950s into a living room today uh the biggest thing that you would notice are no, i say 73 73 you'd notice flatter the tvs are a little bit flatter and you can't find the victor subtract the screens and more or less it it's only stylistic differences oh, okay so i'll do you uh 30 uh, 10 centuries more go back to the year 1080 in the university of bologna and in italy and there was a guy and he was scraping on a piece of rock with another piece of rock and there were a bunch of young people sitting in front of him um now that hasn't changed right so if you teleport them here they'd say wow the walls sure are flat you know this is a similar kind of thing we're not in a cave anymore uh so why not say that actually the whole thing needs to be rethought remade in, in a way to serve the needs of the you know the third millennium since this was was in right, these things are elitist institutions of course yeah no no, no you say of course they're supposed to be elite institutions. We, you and I buy into it. Okay. We're so both Ivy League if, educated, if, right? We both put a, some freemium on, on such things, right? Yeah, has it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It has nothing to do with the Ivy League. It doesn't have to do. This is a priesthood of a certain kind. And, it's a guild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's elite the same way Navy SEALs are elite. It's the same way the head of your surgical team is elite. I never heard anyone say, I'm not going to allow my child to have life-saving surgery until we get somebody uh, who's not who's not elitist. It's like, give me the best effing surgeon you can possibly find, okay? So what we can't have is we can't have our current elite ruining the concept of elite. The elite looting party, the elite termites that are eating through the, the infrastructure. Every time I hear the word, I mean, my, my simplest phrase is, our elite are not. Period. That, that is what's true. We need to reestablish the concept of elitism. And it needs to be more like, I mean, you know, we brought up in the last, I'm, I'm very affected by uh, Jeff Beck's passing for some mm-hmm. reason. Jeff okay, Beck so. was the most elite of, of electric guitarists. Um, we're not going to Harrison Bergeron, Jeff Beck into mediocrity to serve some goal. We need an elite system and we have to be open about it and we have to stop lying about you're not necessarily underrepresented you're only underrepresented if you know you want it so badly you're willing to put in 100 hour weeks you want it so 
badly that you're willing to do whatever it takes to teach yourself this. And then you're having a problem because of the color of your skin. All of us are going to stand shoulder to shoulder to defend the people who deserve to be here because we need to broaden the concept of who can be elite. Now, with that said, I just, I'm angry at you guys. You have these positions. Supposedly you have tenure and you, you let this get away from you. Why is it that I'm talking about this from outside? No, someone say you have less to lose. You're not going to get your tenure. For Excuse me. I, I, You're I, not going to get. I have the same. I have fancy degrees and fancy postdocs just like the rest of you. And quite honestly, I don't think you guys understood the threat as early as I did. That that certainly could be true. I I think that that but, you know, but you're scared and we right because you're scared to say for it's example, hard to make a man believe China something. China has abused our graduate student labor program. Because everybody knows that graduate. I think it's China. I think America admitted America a labor force. Go ahead. Okay, you're you're afraid to say real things, and the, the truth I'm is I'm not afraid to say. Well, anything. yes, you are. Well, we well, all. We, sorry, okay. I, I'm afraid to say many things. Right? Okay, I'm okay. not afraid in, in the context. of Okay, my so I'm t I'm saying nobody wants. I, I I was at MIT in a room uh, filled with Chinese uh, postdocs. And when I spoke out about the abuse of this for espionage and for information gathering, which is that our labor force is our students and we don't like to admit to it. And the professors talk about slave labor and joke about uh, working conditions, using words like coolies. Let's really? be honest. Oh, science coolies. Yeah. I've never heard that. I have it on tape. Slave labor on tape laughing. It's reprehensible. It's reprehensible. But my point is, is that these labs staff themselves with a cryptic labor program. And certainly not all Chinese students are spies. No. But China is doing exactly what any smart country would do. And it is availing itself of the fact that they are sending enormous numbers of people into a very specialized work pipeline. And we are getting rid of the advantage that comes from our freedom because they can't do what we can do right, because something. they have a hierarchical system. Now, most of us are scared to say this because it's a one line argument. Oh, sounds like you're having a problem with people who look different from you. It's like, oh, well, I guess that's the argument. Well, just in the same case, there were quotas back uh, when uh, Feynman and others were Jewish uh, trying to get into. Right, we have school. tons of people of Chinese origin and extraction. We do, and we have we have we have Jews, we have uh, Indians, we have so much going for. I want those people, regardless of the color of their skin or their religious belief structure, or where they come from, right? Right. Mm -hmm to make use of our freedom drenched system, because I believe what it does is it produces high variance individuals. And what we're addicted to is low variance labor. The rest of the world is much better at low variance and we create pains in the ass. Well, I think this is a symptom of what's colloquially called a resource curse. Like we have in, uh, in uh, Saudi Arabia where there's tremendous amounts of oil and that's allowed them to effectively bypass and shortcut any need to develop advanced physics or technology, rocket the programs. The smart ones are figuring out yeah, how to wean themselves out. away from oil. From oil, right. And my point is the cost saving that you imagine from moving your supply chains to your competitors, this whole thing is based on a crazy idea that if we just make ourselves so interdependent, no one will ever declare war. Right, well, that and goes back to Nixon and opening up China. Sure, but how is that working in Ukraine? 
right? <laughs> Absolutely. The old not. claim is is that no no country with a McDonald's has ever attacked another right. country with a McDonald's. <laughs> How, how's that working out? They don't have a McDonald's anymore. They no, and, and, and again, meal. you know, the other part of it uh, is is that we've got to not focus our ang- anger on China. China's doing the right thing by China. Right. We have to not focus our anger on our Chinese students. They're doing exactly what I do. Most of them are not engaged in this. Most of them are just trying to immigrate. Right. Right. What we have to do is to focus on the portion of the National Academy of Science, the National Science Foundation, that stabbed uh, American labor in the back uh, in starting in 1986. Is it more important to rectify past injustices or? God, I, I can't keep doing this. We screwed up and we made permanent changes. We have to undo permanent changes. Stop making it into something about vindictive. It has nothing to do with it. I'm not saying it. it's vindictive. I don't think it's as relevant as you think it is now, although I'm in full agreement it was relevant in the 80s and 90s when you were- Everybody look up uh, graphs over time of the number of foreign PhD students disaggregated by country of origin. And you tell me whether we have a problem. And see what the slope is now. See if the slope is still. Well, it's as not high the slope. As... It's also the question of the state. It's not just the flow. The state. I mean, just anecdotes are not plural of data, as they say. But I've noticed far fewer. I've had phenomenal Chinese uh, individuals. Everybody has that have been that are now professors in China. They're not professors here. Well, some of them are professors here. Some of them are. I'm just saying, anecdotally, from my personal laboratory experience. And we need a certain. We we and deserve we exchange, to have. We should go after. Right, if they're the, the best in the world, right? If there are, but very often we've used the best and the brightest argument for hands I know but I, didn't, I never paid money. my Chinese graduate student less less than I paid my American <laughs> no, graduate but student. you paid your Chinese and your American graduate students far less by pushing out the supply curve if supply equals demand at a particular point I understand okay so then you but, that, but then why make that argument well because I, I think again these are we're gonna I, get into like general equilibrium versus partial equilibrium no, I'm this worried about the refu- fighting the past the refuge of what I'm worried about. we have a problem the issue studied by the National Science Foundation in 1986, and you can find this on the web, is is that they schemed to destroy the bargaining ability of American STEM workers. And what they did is is that they they studied supply and demand. They figured out how can we get the wage down? And then what they did is to say, okay, if we release that, it's going to look terrible. So what we're going to do is we're going to subtract off the demand curves. We're only going to leave the supply curves and we're going to train a competent economic analysis and we're going to turn it into an incompetent demographic analysis. We're going to stir people up that we're not going to have anybody to take over STEM. We'll pass the Immigration Act of 1990. And then when you morons figure out what we actually did on behalf of scientific employers, it'll all be too late. And my claim is, I don't understand. Why can't we revisit this, Brian? Why are you going to dissipate the righteous anger whose purpose is not vindictive. The purpose is to say, we need American scientific employers crying for mercy at the bargaining table. We need to have new PhDs being offered $250,000 in STEM. Look, we just had a strike in the whole University of California, including my students. Mm-hmm on strike demanding higher uh, above average wages and so forth their wages of physics graduate students were already one to two sigma above what a biology graduate student would earn or a chemistry graduate student would earn because we are forced by market forces to effectively no, pay you're not but no by physics this is in my, maybe unique to 
astrophysics and cosmology. I don't think it is because when I look for a postdoc, I have to advertise at the rate of a Hubble fellow, which is not I, an insubstantial amount of right. money. What this is, is a terrible argument, right? The argument is, well, you know, people are getting $80,000 a year or something. And I don't know what the current yeah, it's, it could be for postdocs. Okay. But my point is, if Wall Street is paying way over that and the skill set is fungible, I would like to see physicists getting 85% of a Wall Street salary with a 15% premium. Good luck. I mean, me too. Oh, sorry. I, no, no. Look, Good luck. Look. No, I, Eric, look. if my kid here at UC San Diego, if she gets into UC San Diego right. or gets into Princeton or yeah. gets into Harvard, uh, she will pay full freight. If I were a Princeton professor or a Caltech professor, if I my child gets into UC San Diego, Harvard or University of Florida, I will pay nothing for my kids. In other words, there's more than just compensation. There is, there are market. Now, I chose this because it was the, you know, it was, it had a lot of advantages over other institutions, private institutions that I had a faculty offer at for a variety of reasons. But the playing field is not equal, even at the, we even need at to the destroy level. the current system because it has been adulterated. It was adulterated under the Mansfield Amendment. It was under uh, in the, the Eilberg Amendment in 1976, the Bayh Dole Amendment in 1980. The uh, shortage studies of 1986 through 90, the Immigration Act of 1990, we are up against a series of changes that have killed our university system, which are deliberately self-inflicted changes. So why not tear that down and construct right. a new structure? Tear that down, because tear I'm the down only that one, wall. because I'm the only one talking about this, Brian. And so when you take the only person talking about this, oh, there are in the University of Austin, Texas. It's a new model. I'm not saying uh, Brian, pro or con. Nobody else is willing to be a xenophilic restrictionist because saying you're a restrictionist is a one-line argument. Oh, sounds right. like you don't it's like right. people who look different. <laughs> you're from Asian you. hating Asian. Uh, exactly. Phobic. So, Brian. So, my question is, why are you playing devil's advocate when you understand exactly? I'm not what playing I mean? devil's. Advocate. I'm saying it exactly in concert with what you're saying. And the best way is not to try to you know keep injecting morphine into the patient, no, hoping they're going to start kicking. Be more courageous. It is very clearly. Uh, detailed you want to look at the mansfield amendment the eilberg amendment by dole the shortage studies uh, f bad demography secret uh, e good economics and the immigration act of 1990 among other things and you need to repeal these things if you want the magic back and we also have to look at getting rid of diversity equity and inclusion in its simplistic form so that we can get the diversity and inclusion that we actually need by getting rid of the equity and making sure that we can also exclude people who don't deserve to be in the room thanks today you tweeted out um, you'd like to get updates on uh, the third, fourth, fifth object shot down over Alaska, Yukon, Lake Huron. These are balloons or some unidentified objects. You asked about the origin of COVID. Are we going to get new information on EcoHealth, uh, new US, uh, NYC interference? Right. The origin of the source of the Epstein trading uh, fortune, paper mask mandate eff efficacy, money supply changes on CPI, vaccine assessment. You get one of those. No. No, no, I want to ask. I'm an American. I want. I want information. You want I want all play, of them. I don't want to play inside of these nonsense frameworks. What, we, I'm we, just we trying to diagnose. What is key? What is what one thing? I mean, I'm you're one man. You. You're no, just a man. No, you're just a no. Man. I have a very large following, and people follow me because I'm willing not to be a pussy about it. We deserve all of these things. Mm -hmm. This is normal behavior. We expect to know because we have to make a decision every four years who is a president. We have to make a decision about senators on a more frequent basis. 
And the answer is we cannot do our jobs as an informed electorate, having our news media owned by billionaires who are, are absolutely filled with the letter of journalism and empty of its spirit. What about uh, Twitter, where you have a large following? Uh, we will link to your Twitter profile. Yes, here. because uh, what we know from the Twitter f uh, files is, is that there are government agencies that are pushing to slow the spread of what they call malinformation. Malinformation is just information that is dangerous to a narrative. Mm -hmm. So you have statecraft, where you have to do things and then explain what you're doing. We misexplain what we're doing almost every day. We starve people for information. Smart people say, I don't get it. I don't understand. And then we say, okay, we need to pre-bunk agents Narrative. of malinformation. In other words, we need to destroy the reputation of non-state actors, individuals, citizens, who are going to spread malinformation, which is information. This is dystopia. And what I'm trying to say is, we don't need devil's advocacy. What we need is, do, do you not agree with me on this stuff, Brian? Angels, God's advocates. I, I, of course, I agree with okay. you on this. So we agree. I think that, uh, but uh, I want to give myself a little bit of, of an out. Uh, of a, not, do the no, not thing. an out. No, I'm saying I am on the ground. I am, I am actively in the academy, right? And I am seeing things. I also think the studies that you mentioned, by the way, 1986 and 1990. By uh, I'm no mathematician, but uh, those aren't you know 2023. I, I think some some things with regard to uh, low Im importation of lower um, uh, of, of of massive amounts of, of foreign individuals who may be better at physics than say an American student, whatever that means. Um, that is not as prevalent as it was when those studies were written. Okay, I'm telling you, from be encountering both the, on the uh, as a professor, I don't get a mandate. I don't have market forces. I can't pay one student from China less than a student from, as you say, the whole thing has to go right. Okay, so 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 that, but I do want to say that there. Brian, I'm not going to let you, there's no out. If you understand supply curves, if you understand partial equilibrium, general equilibrium, if you understand all of this stuff, this was a targeted program to destroy us. Our leaders, the National Science Foundation, tried- For what purpose? Lower wages. Why? Eric Block- to benefit, That would just benefit the professors that you're trying to subvert. I don't get two things cannot be simultaneously true. They can't be doing it for the benefit, financial or otherwise, of the academic. You have a class of people who are in a chair. Mm -hmm. Those class of people, there was not going to be a new allocation of money. They were about to see their entire pyramid structure collapse. Which okay. which structure are we talking about? All right. Um, this is step with physics. I'm a simple man. No, this no, is no. stay in physics. No, we're going to do mathematics for a reason. Okay, fine. Mathematics has the math genealogy project. I want everybody to go and look up Norman Steenrod at the University of North Dakota in the math genealogy project. I'll put it on. And you'll screen. see something like 23 students, and they all but one at the very end in 1972 survived to adulthood and reproduce. So if you imagine that Norman Steenrod could create a Norman Steenrod, he would create 23 Norman Steenrods. And then you'd have 23 to higher and higher powers, mm -hmm. and that system is going to explode. That's what was about to happen in the early 1970s. This is Derek DeSola Price. Mm -hmm. And the workaround is to preserve the culture and the style to which certain professors had become accustomed without fixing and addressing the system. Okay, so whoever was already in needed a steady supply of students who would not survive to adulthood. And this became the Hunger Games around 1973, 1971, something in there. Okay. That structure is lumbering forward into today, which it makes no sense. What we figured out is that we could sell visas, which have high value, but are not 
fungible. How, how valuable is a visa to an American citizen? Not at all. What's more, that pushes out the supply curve. So what, what you did is you sold immigration in order for one cohort to live in this preposterous Dionysian style, which is not supportable. And what needed to happen is that there needed to be a reckoning. We probably needed to go to a youth social education model where you have a queen in a colony who reproduces and most of the people work. They don't, or sorry, most of the bees or the ants uh, in Hymenoptera work. So what we needed is most of us not to be fertile. And we avoided that. And we avoided the need for more money. And we avoided the need to pay market salaries because we were going from a period where we were educating sub 10% of the population at post-secondary level to approximately 50%, which was a one-time thing. And, and, and by the way, I'm just bored of this because I've been at this since the early 1990s, late 80s. And academicians do not understand their, their own economics. How many graduate students have you had? Uh, that have graduated? Yeah, PhD students. 15. Okay. So I want you to think of yourself as a Mormon. You've had 15 graduate students. Your colleagues maybe want 15 graduate students. Where are these people going to go? In the this old is 15 over 19 years, Eric. This isn't 15 at once. You don't even have that many children, Brian. I'm working, Close. I'm working on it. I know, it. I know, I know. <laughs> Hi, honey. But It's Valentine's Day. Right, but what I'm trying to get at is, at what point do I, I'm trying to explain an exponential right. to There's people who do exponentials for right. a living. Right. There's a replacement value and that everyone this, this has is, their, this is, for this is straight up Upton Sinclair trying to explain people to people, your, your idea of, it's, oh, it's 15 over 19 years. Madness. Madness. I think we're going to have to agree to agree. Okay. Um, last question before we go out for our. Valentine's Day Celebratory. Celebratory. (laughs) Celebrating our wives. Since the last time we met, Elon has taken over Twitter. Yeah. Has that made you more optimistic, less optimistic, that any of these- interesting question. Very valid points are going to be answered. Um, There's a huge spike right now in anti-Semitism on Twitter. And what you realize is that when people start talking in terms of, well, you know, there's so many different communities, we have to understand different community norms. Many of us got inured to the issue of bigotry because of the abuse, the crying wolf that the woke uh, engaged in for five years or 10 years, or I don't know where we are. Those are communities. There is a stormfront community, right? 4chan community. 4chan community. And these communities are super dangerous, and we have a choice as to how we want to constrain them. We can either do it at the level of rules, or we can do it at the level of culture. Now, I'm emphatic about which I want. I want the anti-Semites to have the right to speak. And I want the the anti-black bigots and the misogynists to have the right to speak. And I want to make that right, not a right that we see used almost at all. And in order to do that, you have to have an extremely strong culture of free speech and that recognizes that free speech is not the right of a society to commit suicide uh, by engaging in its absolutely worst behaviors. The problem that I see is that many people find this entertaining. Oh, 
did you see that thing that happened? Oh my God, he said this and she said that. And you're thinking, are, do you realize how dangerous this is? That your enjoyment, your entertainment. So Elon has a particular belief structure that I really dislike, which is that the most entertaining thing is what the world will do. Pay attention to. And my feeling about this is, you want to know what's entertaining? Uh, conspiracy theories about ethnic groups. That'll get a lot of clicks and likes. Absolutely. People find it interesting. They want to discuss it. And my issue is, I don't want to go back on the First Amendment. I want to extend the First Amendment not only through our society. I wanted to extend it worldwide. But people don't recognize that that goes hand in, in, in glove with having a strong enough culture to resist these things. We're not interested. To not use them. So mm -hmm. I don't know what to do in a world in which we're going to decide that it's super entertaining. Uh, you know, a guy who's been very nice to me personally is this guy, Michael Malice. I don't know what his real name is. But Jay Leno, I think, got scalded because a car blew up on him and his face was, you know, like yeah. burns on his face. Yeah. And he tweeted out, um, wow, Leno hasn't been hot like this in years. And I thought, wow. I, I, did, I just, I didn't have a, I mean, I'm not necessarily a big Jay Leno fan, but that's oh, a soul. It's a cruelty, right? That's a, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the idea is that this has become normal for us. So yay, Elon getting rid of the spaghetti code, which says not yay, Elon, but yay, Elon. Well, we can talk about about yay too, but um, we are in a problem. We are in a problem. We we don't have a solution to. And I used to talk about this with Jack Dorsey, and I said I don't think that Twitter has a solution. Um, it is not the case that the most entertaining thing happening is a good idea. It's a terrible idea. Uh, you want to know what's entertaining? Cruelty. People love it. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that people love about Stop cruelty films and, mm -hmm. is that they love finding a thin, social, po socially positive excuse for their cruelty. I'm not actually being cruel. Right, I'm, I'm watching. Right. I'm I'm stopping a badness that you oh, don't you, recognize. You can go on Twitter right now. My my you know child can look at a murder. Could see in, uh, during George. No, 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 but I'm saying something else. But somebody. It's also awful for somebody is saying. I'm going to publish this person's address because they are a menace to society. And the person is not a menace to society. So they come up with a threadbare excuse because what they want to engage in is right. cruelty. To backfill the narrative that allows them to be. Yeah. Cruel. And I think that what we have to recognize is we seem to enjoy cruelty and destruction as entertainment because the phone is desensitizing us. And I, you know, a lot of it came out of the multiplayer gaming community where people know that first person shooters are not real. And so they, it's like, ah, I just splattered your brains all over that wall. Pink mist. Frag. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but then if you looked at the Christchurch killings, it looks exactly like a first person shooter being mm -hmm. live streamed. And my, my claim is, is that we've, we've blurred these distinctions. So I think that the previous Twitter was an abomination. And I don't know how Elon is going to try to solve this. But if I had one plea, it would be um, Elon Trump and Kanye have all figured out that drunken boxing, intellectual drunken boxing, is a good strategy for a while. 
because nobody knows what you're going to do. It's super entertaining, but then uh, it goes off the rails. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my feeling is, is that Elon is the smartest of them. And I hope that he'll have a change of heart and reconsideration because I actually believe that somewhere in him, he wants the best for the planet. But I'm just going to tell you right now is you can listen to an entire conversation about communities and bringing people together and and you don't realize that the KKK is a community Mm -hmm. and there's not much of it, but that you do not want to let a few cells replicate at an incredible rate and then figure it out later. Well, we always end on a happy note here, Eric. Can we? I want to ish- wish you. Wait, wait, wait. No, let's we talk can. about something something great. Something in science that excites you. What excites you? I'm really hoping, for example, that artificial intelligence tells us something about the, um, the wiring diagram for the mind of the C. elegans nematode. We have a complete adjacency matrix. We have optogenetics and we have green fluorescent protein that we can attach so we can actually watch the worm think. Developed here. Right? Yeah, it's, it's about Rogers three, 300 or so neurons. Uh, I would love it if the same techniques that were put into protein folding or go or chess were put onto the worm and we found that the machines could figure out how thought actually occurs in a relatively... You know, simple. the simple, the simplest of systems, simplest that, complex system, yeah. simplest system that has locomotion, reproduction and, uh, ingestion of food and, and, and digestion. I think that that, that is a great example of something that I think will succumb, uh, before we actually have artificial general intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that, and this is like perverse, I hope we have a near miss with very little casualty or loss of life in Ukraine. And everyone sits bolt upright and said, oh my God, this is not safe to be on this planet. What do we do now? What we need is to galvanize a Manhattan project to allow non-scientific people and scientific people alike to decide whether they want to stay here with Xi, Putin, Biden. Trump. uh, Yeah, (laughs) Trump, Nasrallah. Uh, Khamenei. Baby. Because I don't want to be anywhere near any of these people. I will take my chances in the cosmos. Not all of these experiments can work. But this thing is about to go critical. And I, I don't know whether it's going to be 50 years, 150 years, or five years. But um, I'm really hoping that what we see is a renaissance in terms of technically capable people shouldering the responsibility of... Uh, recognizing that we're we're waiting for the bread to rise and that this place is a womb and it's time to be born. We started the, you know, Pitocin uh, in 1952-53 and uh, it's now time to go. Fitting for February 14th, which is the date in which Carl Sagan commanded the Voyager 1 spacecraft, the farthest object made by mankind sent back in the early 1970s to do a grand tour of the universe. And on that fateful day in 1990 on Valentine's Day, exactly 33 years ago, he commanded it to point at the earth and called it the famous pale blue dot. Do you remember the- uh, It was just when he was beyond the orbit of Uranus. And do you remember the story about the golden record? The story, Eric, I had on the subject of the Golden Record, who I'd love to have you host on the portal. God willing, you will, inshallah, initiate it again. Andrurian. In an Andrurian well, was a guest on the internet. Years ago, uh, I remember Saturday Night Live's weekend update saying that uh, 
we sent this record with all of these different, uh, you know, Bantu uh, haulers and yeah, calls and world music, the box B minor mast and, and Chuck Berry, and that we got a faint echo from the farthest reaches of space, which said, send more Chuck Berry. <laughs> On that happy note. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Great to see you. Great to, great to be you. in person. Stay tuned for more great episodes. If you'd like to see an episode where Eric outlines what he would do if he ran Weinstein University, go to the back catalog. We'll put a link in somewhere for you to find uh, our most uh, uh, frequent and requested guest. Thank you so much for joining us on the Into the Impossible podcast. And thank you for having me. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Thanks for listening to part two of this existential episode of Into the Impossible. Check out some other episodes with Eric Weinstein, one of our most popular and thought-provoking guests. And don't forget, if you haven't already, listen to part one. Keep in touch by signing up for Professor Keating's email list at briankeating.com list. And if you've got a .edu domain, we'll send you a particle from the belly of an exploding star in the form of an authentic meteorite fragment. Remember, always be curious. Thanks for listening to this existential episode of Into the Impossible. Check out some other episodes with Eric Weinstein, one of our most popular and always thought-provoking guests. Keep in touch by signing up for Professor Keating's email list at briankeating.com list. And if you have a .edu domain, we'll send you a particle from the belly of an exploding star in the form of an authentic meteorite fragment. Remember, always be curious.